Welcome to the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I'm here with my co-host, John H. Curry. And John, um, always a pleasure to be back with you. Today we're going to be talking about, a, uh, I think, a really important topic and, and one that maybe people aren't even aware of. The topic today is sales choreography. So that's we're going to have a lot of fun with it. That's a strange topic, isn't it? Choreography. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what exactly is sales choreography? Well, the best way to think of it is positioning. How do you position yourself? So think in terms of if you were part of a Broadway production, would it be choreographed? Or would they say, hey, guys, just go out there and do a little ad-libbing. No big deal. People don't mind paying $150, dollars $500 for a ticket and watching a bunch of clowns run around on stage. So we'll just ad-lib tonight. Or would they have someone who is highly trained come in and say, wait a minute, we need to choreograph this so that we know exactly what each person is doing, when they're going to do it, how they do it, and what the end result is. That's what choreography means to me. So as you think about sales choreography, what all does it encompass? Where does it begin? Where does it end? How, how do you, for somebody who's sitting here going, I've never heard that term before, I mean, how would you relate it to them in terms of how how you practice, you know, your, you know, your your service, how you deliver your advising? Well, the first thing that pops in my mind is, is I used to say it starts when people get to your office in your parking lot or in the lobby. But that's not true. It's with everything prior to that. How did you position yourself? How did you choreograph what you how you approach them? Did you send them a a nice letter? Did you send them a book, a handwritten note? Did you call them? Every contact you have with someone is part of that sales choreography. Um, most people don't give much thought to it. I'll just pick up a phone call, Steve, and try to convince him to come in and give me his money. Uh, you may do that, but I don't think that's a thing you can do consistently without wearing yourself out. Well, I think what, whether you're conscious of it or not, you are practicing sales choreography. Yes. And, you know, you, you, I think it's, it's good that you, you've said, no, this goes back to even how you begin the initial contact with a person because, you know, the only thing that really makes an advise one advisor different from another, because I mean, you all have access to virtually the same products. I mean, I know I have advisors all the time that tell me they've got some hot new product, but you know, then the more I listen, I'm like, well, yeah, I got, you know, I've talked to five other guys that have something almost identical to that. So um, the fact of the matter is with all the regulations that there are today, there are very little innovative financial products. And so the thing that you're selling that's unique is you, it's your expertise. It's uh, it's your personality that's ultimately what they're buying first and then the products come. And, and so you can position yourself one of two ways. You can position yourself as a salesperson or you can position yourself as an authority that they should pay attention to because you've got something unique to say, or you've got a personality that they find interesting and attractive and they want to be around. Well, we had a situation a few days ago, uh, Jay and I, Couple came in, been to she's been to at least two, maybe four. I think she said four seminars, two that I remembered, and some webinars. And she took issue with the fee. 
She said, well, I, I don't want to pay a fee because other people would do the same work and not charge a fee. And I said, well, you told me you've been to several other people's seminars and you've met with them, but yet you're here. What's the difference? Why haven't you worked with them? And she says, that's a darn good question. I said, look, let me be real clear. All of those people, all those people are willing to do all the work, hoping they get the business. I don't do that anymore. There's a planning fee for a reason. It's so that I can cover my overhead. I don't make any profit on that. Not, I need to explain it to you, but I make no profit on that fee. That covers my overhead, covers my staff. Because they're the ones who are doing the work behind the scenes anyway. What you're paying for is my 45 years of experience of dealing with thousands of people just like you. I'm not practicing. I do this every day. Every day that I show up to work, I see four or five, sometimes six people a day who have the same issues you do. But I understand. If we're not the right fit, then we're not the right fit. But I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you on writing a check for a fee. The two of you can go home and talk about it and think about it. And if I'm the right guy, come on back. Now, I have since mailed her a handwritten note to the two of them, as well as a summary of what they get for working with me. And then we'll see where it goes. And then the team was asking, well, should we call them? Nope, not yet. We'll send them another note later and then whatever you can call, but no. Because that's part of the choreography in the sense of what are they expecting me to do? They're expecting me to be like all these other people they've dealt with to promise everything. And then, and I told them, look, if I do it that way, I'll be frustrated. You'll be frustrated. I'll be frustrated because I have to make a sale. I have to make a sale to pay for my time, make money for me and cover my overhead. You don't want to make me to make a sale because you don't want to buy anything. So now we're at odds. We're bumping heads. And that's not what you want. And that's not what I want. You know, and nine times out of 10, when I do that, the person says, you know, that makes total sense. Occasionally, I get the one out of 10, like those couple where, eh, they're hanging back and we'll see what happens. But if I did all the work, I couldn't, there's no money to move for another year and a half anyway. So we'll see. But that's part of what I call the choreography also, even though some people say, well, that's got nothing to do with how you arrange stuff. Sure it does. Because the, the note card that was sent was paperclip in a certain way. The envelope was handwritten. Sure it does. And the timing of it is important too. Yes. You know, you're not, you're not giving off the impression that you're chasing. Correct. Because we're not. Right. And that's intentional. And so, so the choreography starts, and one of the reasons we started this off in one of the early episodes and, and talked about marketing, it starts with your marketing. It starts with how you get that person across the desk from you to begin with. Because if you don't do that well, you can do all the, the other choreography you want. And, um, and at that point, it's not, it's not necessarily going to be believable. So, uh, so really, this is an end-to-end -end process with how, do you, how you communicate with and prepare a potential client to do business with you. But now, let's say you've, you've communicated with them in a way that, that attracts them to you. Maybe they've come to one of your seminars, they've booked an appointment, it's the day of the appointment, and they've gotten in their car across town. Yes. They're driving over to your office. Okay. 
how do you take that experience from that moment they've, you know, they've cranked up the engine and they're backing out of the driveway. What happens from that point all the way through the end of the meeting? Very good. So here's what I did. When I work with our team talking, as you have to assume that on the way here, if they rode together, that they got in a fight about something. Maybe they had a money issue. Maybe he says, I don't want to go to that meeting. Why are you dragging me there? I know you went to the seminar. You think Curry is good, but I don't want to go. Or maybe they encountered a traffic accident that slowed them down. I want you to assume that something went wrong on their way here. Therefore, when they get here in this parking lot, that's where it all starts. When they get in the parking lot, they're now on our turf. They walk in that front door, definitely so. I don't want them waiting very long. If if they're early, even let's say they're 15 minutes early. Yes, that's on them. They got here early. But I want someone going down there saying, hello, uh, I'm so-and-so. I'm Jay. I'm Audie. I'm April. I'm Ed. I'm Debbie. Someone other than me to go say hi. Uh, you're a little early. Uh, and I said, yep, yep. We're very early. Sorry about that. Uh, we'll get you in as quick as we can, but it's probably going to be right at your appointment time at four. They go, we understand you. Know, we'll just have a cup of coffee and relax. And that's good because what happened is I don't care how early they are. If they're having to sit there and there's been no contact, even though Rose, our reception, does a great job, or whoever's sitting for her, of offering them soda, water, coffee, they need contact with my team. So that's the beginning right then, Steve. I want someone there saying hello. You know, even if they've already been asked 10 times, ask them again, can I get you anything? That's what I want. Then, let's suppose they're right on time. For, let's say for whatever reason, we've got a client running over. Well, I want someone, again, going and tell them. Don't make them sit there wondering, because I don't like it done to me. Doctor's office included. Don't make me wait. It's not my problem you're inefficient in your office. You're supposed to have somebody ready to take me in there at my appointed time. So it's a mindset. We talk about that word a lot, you and I. Mindset. My mindset is I don't want you sitting out there in that lobby any longer than necessary. Why? Because I do not want you exposed to anything else. The television, even though it's on hand-to-man type stuff, HDTV. Uh, I don't want you if you're in conversations that might be good. I want your butt in my suite of offices as quickly as possible. And then when you you want to talk about what they see when they come down the hall? Yeah, I, let's let's go through that entire journey. They okay. come in the parking lot. They've been in the reception area in the building. This is inside your agency. Right. So there's lots of other advisors around. So they're, they're sitting in that main, uh, that main reception area. Correct. Someone from your team, comfortable chair, someone from your team comes and, and collects them. Yes. And escorts them back. So what, what do they see along the way? What's talked about? How does your team prepare them? Very good. First of all, what they will get is they'll have a friendly person who is not grumpy and how dare you come bother me? You know, I, I get a lot of work done if it weren't for your customers, clients. So they have an engaging person who is genuinely interested in them and will have a chit chat from the, the time they get here. But then it doesn't stop because the time they get into my conference room, the two double doors that separate my stand-up office from the conference room are closed, like they are right now on this call. Uh, chairs are positioned properly around the table and they will bring them in, seat them, and I won't be in the room. Most of the time, even though I'm sure they've already got water, 
I'll be going down to the kitchen because it gives me time to walk away. I'll go brush my teeth, go down to the kitchen and get some bottles of water and come back. And they have a little joke about it. Jay will say every time, see, I told you to bring more water. I'll come <laughs> in the door. If there's talking, I will stand in the doorway, right in the door frame. I'll just stand there and feel the door until they make eye contact. Nine times out of 10, the man's going to stand up and shake my hand. A lot of times the, the, the lady will stand up, big hug, how you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. Um, I, I don't interrupt their conversation. So if they're talking about kids, babies, I'll let them go for a little bit. And when it's appropriate, they'll know it's time to stop. And then I'll step in and go to work. And almost every appointment, someone's with me, either Jay, Audie, April, Ed, somebody's in the meeting with me. So we'll get down to business when it's appropriate. I'll chit chat a little bit. You know, if you have any trouble, you know, if they're new, any trouble finding us, no, not at all. Everything's good. You know, and then I'll, I'll ask the two questions I'd like to ask. Well, uh, how much time did you set aside for today's appointment? Oh, we got all day. We don't. Uh, we're starting at 12. Our next appointment is at 2. We've got to be done no later than uh, 1.30 work for you. And they go, yes, that's perfect. Thank you. Other times they'll tell me, I need to be out of here in 45 minutes. So I've got something pressing at work. Great. What would you like to accomplish in that time? So I let them tell me what is important to them. I know what I want to cover. And then also, okay, here's what I have in mind for today. Give you an overview of what we do, how we do it. I think we can do that in 45 minutes. What do you think, Mr. Clint? And let them decide. Let them decide. And then when, you, when you're ready, let me know. Uh, let's dissect some of that, and I'll tell you what's on the walls around me as I'm uh, as these clients come in. Well, I want to I want to go back to a couple of, of specific and important details. So. When the, the client is brought to your office, you're not there. Correct. You, I mean, back to this idea of choreography, you've choreographed it such that you always make an entrance. 99.9999% of the time. Occasionally there's a point, 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 one that I'll go get them myself, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. So why is it important for you to make an entrance? Well, it's more important for first for them to have somewhat of a relationship with my team than me. If I'm in the room, who are they going to gravitate to? You. They're going to ignore the person who brought them, almost like brushing them aside. Make sense? I don't want that. I want them to have to have some engagement with that person, especially if that is the one who's going to be in the meeting with me. So it starts that chemistry of, okay, John has confidence in this person, or he or she would not have come to get me and would not be staying. That's number one. Number two, I want to also, I can hear coming down the hallway. Are they laughing? Is it kind of like, uh, sometimes you'll have the husband usually go, how are you doing today? I'm okay, fine. You know, gruff sounding. Well, it gives me cues as I'm coming down the hall. And then number three, lastly, is it about me? I want to make sure that I stand there the presence, if you call it, it's not much of a presence because usually got about three or four bottles of water in my hand, but it's just I'm standing there and I'm listening and I'm watching. Sometimes I'm watching to see if, if it's someone new, especially did they start digging into lunch it was, as it was served or did they wait for me? That tells me a lot about a person too. There's a lot there. Just, just observe. You know, as Sherlock Holmes said, you see, but you do not observe. You observe, so, but you not see, whichever one. 
So there, there they are. They're in your office for a, a couple of minutes with one of your team members and they're, they're sitting down and they're starting to look around. And when they look around, everything they see is placed there with great intention. I know this because you and I have talked about it probably for hours at this point about what's in there and why it's there and, and it's positioned in a certain place so that they see it. Talk a little bit about your office. Okay. Just outside my office, there's a nice painting purchased from a client, uh, Flamingos, uh, over a uh, sofa table. And then there's a little, uh, I call it uh, just like a little office space. There's nothing in there other than some uh, um, a big poster of me that we used at my book signing back in 2009. That is there for positioning that, oh, I remember that you had the book come out. And then there's some common mistakes that people make in estate planning, big posters of famous people on the wall. Then they walk in the door itself. The first thing they see, I'm looking around now, first thing that's in their line of vision is my Air Force accommodation medal, my citation for that. Then if they happen to look to the right, which most people will, because that's on the left-hand side of the window, they glance to the right and they see the famous portrait of the signing of of the Declaration of Independence by John Trumbull and a miniature copy of the declaration below it. And if they keep turning, they'll see a picture of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse walking over a bridge and in the sky are all these things, these dreams of things that have happened long after Disney died. And you'll see other things that happened that he had a vision for. You'll see uh, half a dozen things here that are about Disney, about his vision, philosophy, and then you'll see plaques. You'll see uh, mostly gavels, one, two, three, four, five, five gavels where I've been president of some organization. There is nothing on the wall, nothing that says number one in sales, top this, top that, none, nothing. You'll see some leadership, Tallahassee, Rotary Club, uh, one, two, three diplomas from the American College. One is my master's degree in financial services. So those are prominently displayed so that people feel like that, that I am a professional, like going to see a doctor or a lawyer. And then the thing that's most prominent <clears throat> that they always comment, not always, most, most of the time comment on. I have a heart-shaped pillow that's sitting on its own little pedestal. It says heart to heart. Many people say, what's that? What's that about? And if they know what it is, they'll say, oh, you've had heart surgery. Yes. I did. July 10, 2008, open heart surgery, triple bypass to be exact. That's there to remind me of that surgery, but also to remind me that any given moment I could die, you could die. But most important is to have a heart big enough to challenge you when I know I can help you and you're taking the wrong path. So everything is in freeze. I have a knight in shining armor. Stop for a second. I go again. Okay. Because you went over that quickly. That last statement you made about that. The, the heart pillow so yes. that I, I can have a heart big enough to challenge you. Yes. When I think you're going down the wrong path. Yes. Do you actually say it like that? I say it just that way. Okay. So, and sometimes you start the conversation, by the way, but go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I, well, so you, you have, <laughs> most people don't have the confidence to do this, but you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to handle objections, Right. You know that they're going to have, they're coming to you dealing with probably some of the more difficult 
issues in their lives as it relates to money and mortality and, and family and all of these things. And, and that's difficult for people. And often they're going to make either uninformed or, or want to make poor decisions for themselves for all kinds of reasons. And you know that. So you've just set them up to allow you to challenge those. And you've done it in a, you've told them that I'm doing that out of love because I have a heart because I want to help you. And you've done it in, in such a, a wonderful way that, I mean, they, they can't help but accept now that when you push back, you're doing it from, from a place of, of caring about them. Agreed. And as another, as another time I use it, let's suppose that things are getting a little testy. So let's say you and Aaron are sitting here and we're having a conversation that's getting a little uncomfortable. I'll, I'll refer to it then. I'll say, I don't know if you noticed, but you see the heart-shaped pillow behind you over here to your side? And sometimes I said, no, didn't you notice it? Well, it's there for three reasons. One, to remind me of the open-heart surgery I had back in 2008. It's also there to remind me at any given moment, either one of us, our heart could stop beating, we could die. But the biggest reason it's there is to remind me to have a heart big enough to care and to challenge you when I know I can make a difference and help you with something. And this is one of those times. So you, you're working under a premise of certain information being correct. And I know it's not. So what I have to do is man up and let you know that and offer an alternative if you're willing to look at it. Now, please understand, this is your plan, not mine. You're welcome to keep what you're thinking or I can help you if you won't help. But it's just another tool. It's a device, same as my knight in shining armor. It's to remind me that when, when, when things get hot in the meeting and it's testy and could be considered high pressure, the knight is to my left and the heart is to my right. Those are cues for me, Steve, so that when I need to summon a little bit of courage, I can go, oh, shit, let's get with it. <laughs> so describe the knight. Uh, he's a little short night. He's only about uh, three and a half feet tall. I wish I had bought the full size one. Next time I see one, I'm going to buy it. But it's just basically a knight in shining armor made out of tin. And he's there to remind me that, you know, uh, I may be their knight in shining armor. And it reminds me of all the death claims that I have uh, delivered to families over the years or a disability claims check or a uh, check to help someone start their retirement. It reminds me that don't don't back off. That's what it's for. It's like, that's my suit of armor. <laughs> Put it in. Put it on. <laughs> so, so they they've looked at all of this stuff around the room. You've maybe pointed out some of the things as you've gone through the meeting. Yes, uh, where it makes sense. Um, and you started the meeting the way that you always do. You confirm the time and and ask them what they want to accomplish during your time together. Um, and, and now you're into the meeting. And so talk a little bit about how you choreograph the rest of the meeting. I start by wanting to know what's on your mind. What's important to you? What do you want to accomplish today? Talk to me. Let's have a conversation. I probably say that 20 times a day. Let's just have a conversation. And I just listen. And occasionally, I don't get it a lot, a lot of times, sometimes people say, you know, we don't know. We don't know where to start. We don't know what questions to ask. We're confused. We just need to know how. We just have this sense you can help us. 
And when I get that, I say, well, that's fair. How about I give you an overview of who we are, how we work, our planning process, and then we can determine if we're fit. If we're fit, we'll continue. If not, you know, you can say goodbye, no hassle, no pressure. And you can just see their shoulders go, wow. You know, just you can see the tension just go. Because they're number one, they're uncomfortable anyway, because they're coming in to see a stranger most of the time. They might have seen me at a seminar, they might have gotten a copy of my book or referral. They still they don't really know me. They don't really know what I'm going to do to them, right? They're afraid I'm going to give them a cashectomy, take all their money, hypnotize them, and take their money away from them. And sometimes I'll say that, look, I don't have the ability to give you a cashectomy, and I can't hypnotize you, take all your money and your jewelry. And they'll laugh, <laughs> you know, we have fun with it. It breaks the ice. Breaks the ice. Well, so a couple of, of I, I think, critical elements to that that I want to point out. You don't. You don't start with, well, here are all the products we sell. Oh, you start, here's who we are. So if they're skeptical or they don't really know, you you start with, let me tell you a little bit about who we are. So you start with who, okay? And then you say, well, let me tell you a little bit about our process. And so what you're selling is you, your team, your expertise, right? Because that's ultimately what they're buying. That's what makes you different. And your process, which is also what makes you different. Yes. Yeah. I tell people every day who will listen to me, colleagues, friends, friendly competitors, you know, colleagues across the country. I'll be in Chicago Wednesday through Friday with a group of advisors. And I'm sure it's going to come up and I'll be back in town for a week. Then the 26th or 28th, I'll be in Philadelphia, another group of uh, advisors. And I'm sure it's going to come up. You know, how do you do this? How do you do so much business? Well, uh, there's no secret. You just simply show up. You see people, make sure they know who you are, keep in touch, and reach out to them occasionally so that they'll know when it's time to do something, come to you. But it's the same thing one-on-one, Steve. It's having a conversation that applies to them. And you're correct. I believe totally that I am the product. I am the message, as well as my team. And they can get products anywhere. I tell them that you can get products anywhere. You don't need us for that. What you can't get is what is in between my ears that I've accumulated in the experience and hopefully some wisdom in dealing with literally thousands of people for 45 years. That you're not getting elsewhere because that's unique to me. That is mine. I have that. No one else has it. Yeah, I've got a friend in, that's all your business. And she likes to say, you know, that you can get the products anywhere. You can call 1-800-NO-HELP if you'd like. Right. Yeah. I use that line a lot too. I like that, especially the no help, you know, no help this, no help that. But it, but I think the key is just getting comfortable being who you are. You know, I walk in the door, I got my, my dress suit on, business suit on, I got my cowboy boots on. I'm, I'm just, I'm just me. And maybe some people don't like me. It's okay, but just be yourself, be authentic as much as you can. And then truly, truly care and want to help the person you're in front of. And if you can't help them, tell them. I, I, I just told a guy, I, was like, I can't help you. Here's what I can help you with, but I, you told me you want to buy this product today. I don't think that product's appropriate. And I wouldn't do that. And he said, what if I told you I wanted it anyway? I said, in this case, I would have to decline because I know this is going to hurt you. You're going to need your money. You're going to need the money back in less than a year. What he wanted me to do, he had heard me talk about it in one of the seminars, a particular annuity, and he was hell-bent on putting his $45,000 into this thing and then 
five minutes later, he's telling me how he's got to take about 10,000 out in the next six months to a year. I said, see, if I did what you wanted, I'd make a commission that you'd be hurt. He goes, wow, thank you. And you're welcome. I didn't do anything for you that I would not want you to do for me. Just look out for my interests and I'll look out for yours. It's got to be win-win. And if it's not win-win, we shouldn't do it. Should not do it. So before we wrap up, John, I, I know everybody has been listening to this, waiting for you to share the magic words that you use that close every sale. So can, can you tell us what those are? I can't. They don't exist. <laughs> I don't close every sale. Uh, most people that I meet with do business with us, but we still have a few who, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's personality, maybe it's timing, maybe it's something like that where they just, they're not ready. And we lose some, you know, every now and then we'll have somebody call up and happen this morning, uh, a guy decided to cancel three good old fashion quality whole life policies uh, because they're building a house. I don't think he should cash them in. I made that mistake years ago on a policy. Uh, I've explained that to him about three times, maybe even four. He got his mind made up. So, yeah, when Debbie asked him, I said, just send him the forms. But no, I don't have any magic words. The close I have to magic words are simply this. See, this makes sense to me. Would you like to move forward and do it? And most everybody says, it does make sense. And yes, I'd like to do it. But instead of saying, well, now it's time to complete the paperwork, I simply say, Steve, this makes sense to me. Would you like to do this? And to me, it's low key. It's not uncomfortable because if you've been nodding the whole time, hey, this makes sense. I like this. I like this. I like this. Then why wouldn't I just simply say, uh, this makes sense to me. I think it makes sense to you, doesn't it? And, and they'll say, yeah, because they've been agreeing all the way along with you. Uh, or they won't. They may say, no, nah, I want to do something different. You know, but at least I know where we are. So it's a, it's a, it's a close, if you will, but it's not like in your face screaming at you. By the way, one other thing I did not mention this in the office, I think is extremely important. I have one bookcase in this office and it's loaded with books on retirement and taxation. So it's only the only books allowed in here behind closed doors. There's two more bookcases where I can go retrieve whatever I need. But the only books allowed in here are stuff related to Social Security, Medicare, retirement income planning, things like that. So when they look over that bookcase, they go, hmm, one, two, three shelves full of stuff on retirement planning and Social Security. Hmm. And that, you don't that have is, all your, your master. Your, your master sales book and, and all of that, that, that's in the other room. That's correct. There's not one book in here on sales. Better not be anyway. But, uh, nope, not up there. But why is it there? Do you want to deal with someone who is constantly reading and getting better at what they do for a living or someone who thinks they know it all and they stop growing? So I want them to see that I'm constantly going to something. There are two miniature diplomas here, one from Yale University last year, one from the uh, Chicago Booth School of Business this year. I keep it there because it, it talks about the Retirement Masters Summit. Sometimes people say, what's, what's that about? Oh, each year I go to a program for three days so I can be around the best of the best when it comes to retirement planning. 
And some people are shocked by that. Oh, really? You still do that? Oh, yeah. There's three conferences a year I go to just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and all of that lends to credibility. It lends to authority. It it reinforces why they are there in front of you. Um, all of that's part of the choreography. And and folks, these they may sound like little details, but they are. They are. But they add up. There's a cumulative effect to them. And, and you may not be in a position where you have all of these little details available to you. But, John, there was a time in your career where you didn't have them all. You've collected them over time. You've layered them in. Yes. But what you do have are pictures of your family. I'm, I'm, I'm over my right shoulder. Right? There's a picture there of family. Um, there's another picture of your dad. Uh, if you're sitting here in my office, you'd be able to see it. But you can have you can do other things. You know, you can put nice pictures on the wall. Just don't have any salesy stuff to where they're afraid of you. Yeah, I, I think other things. Yeah, and that's that's so important, and and I think so very different in your approach to this than than what I see a lot of folks doing. So um, so folks, I hope this has been helpful. Um, John, any final thoughts you want to share with people? Just one, and that is just look around. What makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel at ease? Put those things on your wall, around your office, uh, to make you feel good about dealing with people. And just try to do things that show that you're involved with your family, your community, uh, church, whatever whatever makes you feel good. I would try to stay away from political stuff. I see people who, Democrat or Republican, they want to flaunt that or but I don't think there's a place for that. There's not for a place for it in my office anyway. When you walk in here, it's, it's neutral. If somebody asks me, I won't lie to them. I'll answer the question, but I'm not going to certify it on purpose. So just try to do it in a manner of where it's comfortable, fun to be in, but it's, it exudes confidence and you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, if you're getting uh, value out of this podcast, we would love it if you would go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. We read all of those reviews and we can't wait to see yours. So if you go to iTunes and find the Advisor Inner Circle podcast and uh, tell us what you think and uh, do us a favor, share this with uh, some some advisors in your office that might benefit from it. Um, We really do want to make a big impact on the industry. And, uh, and, and one of the ways that you can help us do that is to share this with other advisors uh, that, that are in your community and in your office. Folks, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. See you next time.